Well, it's time for our Book Nook segment with Katie Crowshower of the Quincy Public Library. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, we got a lot of good stuff, it looks like, today. You know what? It's always good stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, I was sitting at home last night after I got off work, and I was just thinking, you know, there is the, it's springtime. I am feeling fresh and, and excited about life again. You know, even though it's chilly, it's, it's still a great day to just get something from the library, sit down and read it, listen to it, watch it, you know, flip through that magazine, whether you're doing physically or on your device it's there's just so many things that you can do that can be had from the library we, we will soon be at sitting on your deck or patio reading a book and drinking your favorite beverage weather we're close it seems like we get teased and then we get you know snow and whatever but yes. I think we're close to that time yes and thank goodness for that because I'm ready I'm ready to sit outside on my porch swing and just enjoy the weather well, give us some recommendations all right so first up is the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks and I when I first read this book, it was published in 2010. We read it almost immediately for one of the book clubs, but it was on the bestseller list for, I think, over a year. Just one of those incredible nonfiction books that you pick up and you read and you're like, this doesn't seem real, but you know it is real. Um, Henrietta Lacks was an African-American woman who was living in Virginia in the 1940s and early 1950s, and she developed cervical cancer. Of course, during that time, there were not a whole lot of options for where a, an African-American could go to receive medical care, and especially not medical care that was going to first of all, recognize cancer and, and give her treatments. So she and her family went to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore and they you know they were very interested in her case and they were treating her and they took some some samples of the cells out of her cervix and realized when they put them into a culture that the cells were regenerating roughly every 24 hours which was the really the first time that they had gotten human cells to regenerate themselves and to survive within a, a lab situation. So um, they asked the family if they could have more of the cells to use for experimentation and things like that. The family said no. Um, Henrietta herself was not asked. Her husband was asked. Um, but they took the scrapings anyway and used those to create the HeLa cells. Henrietta Lacks, the HeLa cells. Um, sometimes she was referred to by other names, but that is where the origin was. And those cells went on to reproduce in such quantity that they were sharing them with other research facilities. They were testing all kinds of things on these cells um, and charging, obviously, at some point for other researchers to receive the vials of cells that they could use. Um, the cells went up in some of the first launches into space. They have been used to develop the polio vaccine, cloning, gene mapping in vitro. Um, they basically said these are the lab rats of human cells because they regenerate, they reproduce, um, and they're very, very resilient to a lot of the things that, um, that are being run in the labs. Unfortunately, Henrietta's family never received any compensation or recognition for that until much, much later. Um, actually, after the book came out, they, there were a little bit of, of compensation for that came back to the family. And of course they living in Virginia in the 1940s and fifties sure. were barely scraping by. They did not have the, the resources to fight Johns Hopkins. They did not have the knowledge and with which to go and say, you know, you took these without our permission. Um, so Rebecca Sklut, the author of the book worked so closely with the family to make sure that they knew what she was doing to be respectful of Henrietta's story. And then to you know, really bring it to light around the world, the work that had been done based on just these, these few cells that had originally come 
come from her body. So um, Henrietta did die in 1951, 1952, um, and so she never knew, but her family does, and they have they have managed to overcome a lot of those obstacles since then. And um, you know, just to share the story. It's phenomenal. And uh, you have a public discussion of this coming up? Or? Yes, we are going to be talking about it actually at Village Inn with our All Over the Page group at 7 o'clock tonight on the 19th. Um, you know, just a great opportunity to get together and to sit and talk about, you know, some of the, the things that come up through the course of the book, what those medical ethics are, what the, you know, the laws that have since been put in place to prevent anything like this from happening again. Um, just a, just an amazing story and a great opportunity to sit and talk about the ramifications of the choices that were made and, and what really can come out of those decisions for good or ill. Your other book uh, that you bring us is called The Peach Keeper. Yes, and this one takes us in a totally different direction. Um, but Sarah Addison Allen is another one of my comfort reads. She has, a, they call it magical realism in the library world. But it's a, a fiction story about, you know, usually contemporary times or what feels like a very timeless story. You can kind of see it happening in any era. Um, but there's just a little bit of magic to it. Something something goes on, whether it's a little bit of mysticism or a little bit of, of magic, whatever you want to call it, within the story that happens to bring about a, a really satisfactory ending. I don't want to say happy because it's not always happy, but that satisfactory ending that brings you to a conclusion. And so in this one, um, Willa Jackson is the one of the main characters. She lives in a fine old Southern family and her family used to own what is known as the Blue Ridge Madam, um, which is a Victorian home built by Willa's great-great-grandfather. And the other kind of main character in the book is not really her rival, but another female of the same age, Paxton Osgood, and in <clears throat> their grandmothers were best friends back in the day, you know, back in the in the early part of the 1900s. And something happened, um, and their grandmothers formed a society, the Walls of Water Woman Society, and, you know, it's got this very distinctive feel. You kind of have to be part of the upper crust to to be part of it. Um, but through the course of the story, you find out that the re one of the reasons that Willa's family lost the Victorian home was because they had lost all of their money to a con man. And Paxton's family has purchased the home. They're turning it into a bed and breakfast. It's going to be this wonderful, fabulous, you know, feather in the cap for the women's society. And they find a dead body buried under a peach tree in the yard. And so then, of course, there's that investigation of what happened. How did the body come to be there? Why is there a frying pan buried with it? How is this person connected to the other people in town? But the core of the story really becomes um, the friendship that Willa and Paxton have and why it was important for their grandmothers to start the society to support each other. You know, that that key to women's friendship is helping each other and making sure that we are supporting each other through whatever trials and tribulations come up um, and not just to compete with each other on who can have the most fantastic luncheons and who can bring the most distinction to their their little league parties that they're having. Um, and so at the end of the story, there there is a lot of great resolution. You see that friendship coming through for the whole story, but this is to me, this is my beachy read. This is what I need to sit on a beach and read and smile about and feel satisfied at the end. 
And uh, aside from the discussion of uh, of Henrietta Lacks, uh, what other programs are coming up this week? So this week we have our baby time on Thursday at 10 a.m. And then our friends and family STEM fun is going to be tic-tac-toe at 6 o'clock. Next week at the f- friends and family event at 6 o'clock on Thursday, they are doing a quilled paper snail. On Fridays, we do our play date at the library at 10 a.m. This Saturday is super story time at 10 a.m. And on Monday, they're doing a dance party at 6 p.m. Our tweens have their event on Tuesdays at 3.30 every week. And this is just a chance for those 9 to 12-year-olds to come in and unwind. You know, we've got our games set up. We've got board games. We've got craft activities that they can do. Just kind of a really fun, open playtime for those tweens. Um, creative, quiet, you know, however rowdy they want to get. Whatever, whatever is within their their wheelhouse for that day and Natasha does such a great job finding ways to connect with the kids to engage them with each other and to really form those bonds um, the teen program is on Thursday at 2 30 and again kind of that same thing graduating once the kids get to their teens from that tween program just the chance to get together play games be creative and have a no pressure time um, with the book clubs coming up in May we have the bookies on the third they're going to be talking about Vivaldi's Virgins by Barbara quick and we also have of course the rest of the book clubs that meet every month monday movies coming up we have a documentary on the 25th called life animated that will be showing at one o'clock and 5 30 this is a story about a young man with autism who learns how to communicate his own emotions and recognize emotions in others using clips from animated movies in may we're also showing um 50 to 1 which is based on the true story of a long shot horse making it to the kentucky derby in 2009 and on the 26th will be showing Spellbound, which is a documentary about the Scripps Spelling Bee. Also this month, um, on the 27th at 5.30, is the Return of Coloring Club, which is for our adults or new adults, teens, um, whatever age group really want to come in, but we'll have all of the supplies provided, coloring, um, colored pencils, color pages. We'll have quiet music. We'll probably do some hot tea just to give everybody a chance to sit down and relax and let those creative juices flow. May 3rd, the discussion of Vivaldi's virgins. Please clarify that this will not be a virgin sacrifice. It is not. It is not. It is historical fiction based around um, Vivaldi, who, of course, was the classical music composer, um, but he sponsored orphans and and musically inclined young ladies at a at a facility where he could then, you know, sponsor them and they could go on to become great musicians. Thank you for that clarification. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you.